I hear that you're ill. It must be the disastrous showing against Blackburn last week. It's had an effect on your brain. Yeah, clearly. I apologise for my general bunged upness. I've promised Ed I'm going to try not to sniff uh, for the next half an hour. If I do, I apologise sincerely to you, the listener, and your ears. Talking of preview and speculation, in that build-up, Ed, you said uh, we were going to talk about whether the title race was over. I think we can agree it is, can't we? Can we please agree it is? This is a title race that needs putting out of its misery. It's over. It's more than over. It's Mr. Over in Overtown. It's so over, I'm over it. (laughs) It's Mr. Over, Overstreet, Overtown in Overland. We'll start with the Blackburn game, I guess. That was abysmal. Abysmal. Just terrible. Nothing about it was good. Nothing at all. Including my view in Sky 3D. Nothing was good. Oh, really? Well, that's much more interesting to me than anything that happened on the pitch. What was what was the deal with the Sky 3D? Well, it was a bit like watching the game sat on the touchline. So they had one fixed camera um, on the halfway line, very, very low down, and then a couple of cameras behind each goal. So you basically got that view if you're sat very low down at a football match. You could see absolutely nothing on the far side of the pitch. Great when it was close up. All the wide shots, you couldn't really tell it was in 3D kind of pointless. Close up, that looked good. That was some real depth. And uh, you, you could certainly see the movement of the players really well. You could, you got a good feel for the tactics. I guess you got a coach's eye view of the game. Um, so from that point of view, it was interesting. I, I suspect it would work better in uh, in the home environment when you're 10 foot from the TV. Um, and once they've got more cameras in place. I mean, they film premiership games with something like 30 cameras these days. So and that's the, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're not going to be at the game, the reason why it's good watching on the telly is because you get all the close-ups and you get the, the wide shot for the tactical view, but also the close-ups so you know what, you know, you can see the player's skill and stuff. When it was over the far side of the pitch... From the camera's point of view, you could barely see the ball. Kind of got the worst of both worlds. But clearly a technology that I think could work. Just need to improve it a bit more, which I'm sure they will. Uh, talking of things that could work but need improvement, Manchester United. Yeah, it was just didn't work against Blackburn at all. You know what the most frustrating thing is? It just felt like they just didn't care enough. They just didn't want it badly enough. And I hate to say that. I really hate saying that because I don't believe it's true of any Ferguson side. But that's the impression they gave. It was it was just so disappointing, and they've got to be desperate. They've got to be given absolutely everything. This was their last shot, and and yeah, another two points dropped means, given the goal difference, difference, we probably need Chelsea to lose both the Liverpool and the Spurs games, and the likelihood is that's not going to happen. I don't know. This team doesn't deserve to win the title. I think, but then that's probably a pretty ridiculous thing to say because if they get more points than. If Chelsea end up dropping another four points um, and United win every game for the rest of the season, I guess they do. But you're right, it, it just doesn't look very likely at all to happen. And I don't know, it'd be, it would definitely be papering over the cracks of title victory this season. It would be the, the kind of uh, least worst team out of Arsenal, Chelsea and Man United. Yeah, and I think you're right with that. I um, Twitter back and forth with one of the other bloggers this morning and the conclusion I came to, which is what I felt for quite a long time about this season, is that United have been beaten by a team that's slightly less average than we are. So I, I don't think it's been a great quality. I know it's been really close at the top and that should have been a really good quality premiership season, but I, I really don't think it has been. At all, I, I I think Chelsea are a pretty average side. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sure that United of last season, with fewer injuries, with 
you know, additional midfield creativity given through you know Ronaldo or just a bit of more oomph that we had last season uh, would have won this title. Having said that, I think uh, I think if Chelsea had a manager that uh, was able to stick to a team and kind of had some belief in what his team was and not chopping changing tactics every week, then they'd have won the title by 10 points. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they when we really had our terrible patch around Christmas time, they didn't take advantage of it in the way that they should have done this could have been over a long time ago and the fact that it's only really this week um that well last week and this week that things have come totally off the rails is a reflection on the low quality of uh well the lack of consistency of any of the top three this season and but yeah the, the, the point about them not wanting it enough it was just it was just painful to watch it was just every at the last sort of five minutes i was looking around the pitch thinking who do i want the ball to fall to it's always that thing where you're thinking oh, i hope so and so gets a chance but just nobody looked at it at all and you know berbatov got booed by i don't know how many of the fans whatever it's i i'm i'm not a proponent of booing your own players I don't think it does much good having said that the support for the team was pretty remarkable or it seemed to be from watching it on the telly um, 8,000 8, United fans there made a, made a terrific racket yeah it was, it was a real shame that Bobatov did get booed I, I don't think he deserves that and he yeah, fine. Find a scapegoat if you want. It's not Berbatov's fault. I think if if he was a five million pound player, we we wouldn't be thinking like this about him. But um, I guess because he was so expensive, we expect a hell of a lot more. And, and yeah, look, he was frustrated, but he was tetchy, and I I just didn't I didn't enjoy the reaction from him. He spent most of the game gesticulating at his his fellow United players or at the referee or opponents. He lying on the floor sulking about it and. For me, that wasn't it. Wasn't what we needed, and uh, I guess he's taking taken to heart a lot of the criticism, and he's uh, not reacted well to it. And I'm a big Berbatov fan. I, I am definitely. I think he's wonderful to watch when he's playing well. Right now, it's not working for him. I mean, it's not like a massive bit of psychological insight to say the man's confidence must be absolutely shot to pieces. You can only imagine what Ferguson said when he came to the club. Oh, come to us, Berber, it'll be brilliant. You know, you'll be one of the main men in this fantastic attacking lineup. We'll use you as one of the front two, you know, all that stuff. And then he's just been used out of position all season long. He's been on the bench for long periods of time. When he's had a bad game, he's been dropped. Uh, when he's had a good game, he's you know obviously he sacrificed to Rooney in the four three three four five one thing. We've talked about that ad nauseum. But yeah, it's like blaming Berbatov for the performance against Blackburn. It's 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 ridiculous. It's like um, I don't know blaming Saw for your inability to get a nail into the wall properly. It's just not the tool for the job. You might hope that he creates some moment of magic or whatever. It's like it was like it would be like blaming Van Nistelrooy for United's poor performances. The last time we had a kind of struggling side. I, I think I think that really that there's no point. Um, there's just no point uh, going round and round in circles with, with Berbatov. United fans know, at least the smart ones who who watch plenty of football. Uh, Ferguson knows that it's not worked in the way we'd have liked it to work. Of course, he's going to defend his purchase. He doesn't want to completely destroy the guy. But we need to make two decisions now. Either. We decide Berbatov's a striker and we play him as a striker in a 4-4-2 or we cash in, take whatever money there is, revamp the side. Or I guess, you know, option C is to carry on doing what we're doing, leave him on the bench for most of the games and get what we're getting out of him. But I don't think that's the best of both worlds by any means and I don't think it's good for Berbatov. So 
you know, Ferguson needs to make a decision about it. I think I think the rumour doing the rounds that United you know, would be happy to find a buy at the right price. That kind of talk isn't just, and it was in more than one publication. That's not by accident. No, of course not. I mean, that's been briefed. So yeah, they are looking for a buyer, is my guess. The day after we um, talked last, the front page of the Guardian Sports paper, which is normally a pretty good paper, very good analysis, I think. I love the, the Guardian's football podcast, although they're not necessarily uh, United's biggest admirers all the time, but that's all right, you know. It's a wide world of uh, opinion out there. But the, the, the front page story um, last Friday was. You know, United finances force uh, make them unable to make a bid for Via, basically. And th- th- it was a pretty poor article, um, which kind of that was a real headline writer's thing. You know, that, that that wasn't really the focus of the article, and there was no detail about it except they think that we can't spend 40 million on Via, and obviously we can't uh, without, as you've said many times, rolling it up into the debt. And whether that's even possible, given the kind of uncertainty of the financial situation, and it's it's just such it's just such a shame. It's just it's it's exactly the worst case scenario that everyone predicted would happen. And we've bought a an unproven Mexican centre forward to go with all our other unproven centre forwards, as we discussed last week at nauseam. So if we sell Berbatov, we're obviously not going to be able to replace him with. Uh, world-class established you know supporting center forward that's just just not going to happen so we have to hope that one of the young players comes good or we can pick up some sort of bargain buy that comes good like Valencia who I think you know has really been a bit of a shining light in a very average season yeah uh, well I, I think we'll at the end of the season we'll do a, a full season review and I think Valencia will be getting very high marks in that season review um to come back to your point i, I think it's uh, interesting that united fans uh, en masse have engaged in some serious revisionism recently uh, since when did united need to be prudent with finances when has united ever been a club that needed to sell to buy when have we ever had to you know do good business uh, I, I thought um, alex ferguson's press conference last friday just said it all he said, we've always looked to bring young players inside. Yep, fair enough, good. We've always thought about resale value when buying a player. Absolute nonsense. United, as, as a club, generated profits in order to invest in football. It didn't matter if we could sell the player on. If we're buying a superb player, he goes out and wins us a load of trophies. That's the whole point. United makes money so they can invest in players. Now, it's changed completely under the Glazers. We make money so we can pay down their debt that that's it so now we're in we're we're in a situation where we're buying players so we can sell them that's the that's Ferguson said it himself we're now a selling club had a rant about this on the blog clearly we are a selling club because de facto if we are buying players that have to have a resale value that strategy only makes sense any sense whatsoever if you can then sell the players on yeah i mean Juan Sebastian Veron says, hello, what do you think of my resale value? It's, it's just a complete nonsense to suggest that that's been... I mean, maybe there have been some purchases where he's thought about it. That's It's just it's just not the way it's been in recent times. I suppose Rooney's a bit of an exception. You could probably imagine uh, the Rooney purchase having had some resale value built into it. But the amount of money we spent on... I mean, in fact, I, I, me and you talked when we bought Rooney. Me and you were talking on Instant Messenger, and you said this is why we can spend X million pounds on a 17-year-old because we've been a phenomenally well-run club for such a long time, and it's just completely and utterly 
fallen apart now and that's just not our reality anymore you know we've 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 been paying over the odds for being manchester united for um at least a decade what is the concept of value for money in football if if you're paying a premium for fantastic talent because you want to be one of the world's best well all the other best clubs in the world are also paying a premium on players think that if chelsea start to become interested in a player their value doesn't skyrocket all of a sudden it's 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 the cost of doing business Absolutely, and and we're in the football business, and football's an entertainment business, I guess. I hate the fact that we're using these terms, business. I, obviously, I did that that video discussion with uh, the Guardian crew and uh, someone from Supporters Direct and the Chelsea fans and and uh, you know, a few other guys. And a lot of the discussion, not all of it on camera, was about the change in philosophy in football that we now talk about owners. That we didn't used to talk about owners at all. It was chairman, and very often they were the local businessman done good who saw it as some not philanthropic exercise but you know an exercise with the community in mind to run the local football club and there's so few of those people left and hey and that's that i'm not being nostalgic for some kind of golden age where football was run well because very often it wasn't run well but there are there are still very few examples of where that is done good and that was the English model now clearly time moves on and I'm a very big believer in in better regulation of football now I'm absolutely in favour of the provision in the Labour Party manifesto that says that uh, they will bring mutualism to football Um, think about it like a building society the customer's are the owners uh, that's the model that's that's used in well four clubs in spain uh, not all of them that, that's often misrepresented that's the model i'd like to get to that's what we're hoping for if and when there is a red knights bid it's a nirvana i suppose whether it'll happen i i think it's, it's still a big long shot right now but but if we did get to that we'd be at the position where united makes money in order to spend it on talent we wouldn't need to do anything else and that's essentially what we did even when United was a PLC PLC is the epitome of capitalism uh, in, in the time that United was a PLC between 1991 and 2005 gave away £14 million in dividends £14 million. we spent like 90 on interest and debt payments last year yeah it's, it's extraordinary it really is extraordinary the, the um just that, that that a PLC seems to be like this utopic fan-centered business model, you know, which obviously it's not. But in 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 relation to what we've got at the moment, PLC seems like a, a dream. Of course, PLC is the reason that it was possible yeah. for this to happen. And, and if there but, are any doubters left amongst United fans, <laughs> just just consider this scenario: if the next seventeen-year-old wonder kid Wayne Rooney comes along, will United bid for them? Will they find thirty million pounds? to buy that player because you know what I'm telling you right now they will not no they're, they're, they're not going to be in a position to they can't spend 35 million pounds on incredibly well established talent who fits exactly the bill for the kind of player we need to make a difference to the side so obviously no they're not they're not going to spend 30 million pounds on Wayne Rooney 2 not that there will ever be a Wayne Rooney 2 that boy's a bit special isn't he anyway that's that's a discussion for another time definitely that end of the season roundup you mentioned which incidentally will probably be the next time there's anything worth worth listening to on Rankcast so you might want to tune out for the next four weeks while me and Ed just sound like old people complaining about oh we remember the days when our football team was better and it uh, was better run but the, um, the one of the points I wanted to ask uh, about Listeners from other countries might not be aware that the 
United Kingdom is on the verge of a general election. Uh, you mentioned that the Labour Party's manifesto uh, has something uh, in it about football and returning to a mutual, uh, well, building in a, a model of mutualisation into football. Has any other of the political parties got anything about football in their manifesto that you've seen? No, they don't. Um, in fact, the Conservative Party mocked it and said it was election gimmickry. Right. Um, uh, at least when the proposals were uh, leaked uh, to Owen Gibson uh, about two weeks ago now, and uh, Guardian's um, correspondent Owen Gibson, they've slightly revised their outlook on that now and said that uh, they're seriously thinking about some of these proposals. They've certainly not made a um, election manifesto pledge. The, the Liberals uh, came out with a. a, a they sat on the fence and said they're interested in looking at all models, but the only commitment has come from the Labour Party so far. And that, that's not to say that listeners should go vote Labour if, you know, go vote your consciences, people. Uh, but I have to say this I think Tony Lloyd, the central Manchester MP, has you know, been a vocal exponent of uh, you know, a fan bid. The Labour Party are now making a commitment to it, uh, to mutualism in football in a wider sense. I believe they're prepared to be more proactive on regulation. It's desperately needed for the game uh, in a wider sense. That's that's all I'd say on that one. Oh, it's really interesting because you've just opened up a whole can of worms. It's like, is that worth... I mean, not by... Ed might want you to vote for your consciences, and, and obviously I also endorse this view, but please don't vote for David Cameron. But I, I can't think of too many good reasons to uh, endorse the Labour Party uh, in this country at the moment. So is football reason enough? Well, th- this is a debate we we had. Uh, you know, we, we did Guardian vodcast thing the other day, and and for the first time ever, I think football is has become an election issue. People are prepared to talk about it as not the central issue because, of course, that's the economy, and then there's health, and then there's education, and then there's defence, and there's taxation, and and all of the other stuff. But football is an election issue, and there's estimated to be about four million Manchester United fans in the UK. Break that down by marginals, and that's a significant block vote. You could make a difference, people. Of course, there aren't four million people listening to this rankcast. What the hell are you doing if you're not listening to the rankcast? <laughs> but hey, but no, it, seriously, it um, does mean it's an election issue now, amongst very many, of course. But yeah, football fans are varied, and they are many, and many, many of them realise that something has gone wrong with the game. There are far too many vested interests in football to sort it out itself. The, the Premier League's not interested in doing it. Uh, they, they just want this laissez-faire, do whatever you like regulation. It doesn't work. It's never worked. It's not going to work in the future. It's the road to ruin. And uh, I'm afraid if the Premier League can't see that, then you know some of those people need to be sacked. The FA is too incompetent, too full of committees... It's half run by the professional game, half by the amateur game. I'm quite what someone in the you know, Durham County's fourth Sunday League division has to do with football regulation at a very high level. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, grassroots football, very important, of course. Um, but you know, financial regulation, takeovers of you know, billion-pound clubs, it, it's not the same thing whatsoever. There needs to be some serious frameworks put in place for for the good of the game as a whole and that means everything from parks football on a sunday to you know, takeovers the national team how we structure our football what will be allowed uh, ongoing and fan ownership yes interesting interesting stuff and certainly it'll be very interesting to see how the next few years shake out and united and uh, liverpool probably end up being uh, test cases in a way for 
worst case scenarios, I think. Well, of course, Portsmouth showing what the worst case scenario of laissez-faire regulation is. Yeah, well, they'll be in a cup final and there's an argument now about whether they can actually play the cup final. Or at least, so, so all the players are on bonuses for winning something and uh, Portsmouth can't afford to pay those bonuses. No, and they're, uh, perhaps even more seriously than that, a lot of them are on contractual bonuses based on automatically renewed contracts if uh, the clauses in their existing contracts which say that if they play a certain number of games this season then their contracts will be automatically re- renewed for next season and that, apparently that's quite common in the uh, uh, in their contractual setup at Portsmouth David James has already gone on record as saying that he's obviously not he's not going to he's going to ignore that clause in his contract um, but yeah there's, that's that's potentially a significant problem um, well I'm not surprised David James would be ignoring that clause in, that con- in his contract he doesn't be playing in the championship next season well no absolutely but the point is there are there you know there are players in that Portsmouth side that that would probably you know be glad of a, a contract extension um, for whatever reason so although you know if Portsmouth will make it through next season I'm, I'm not 100% sure they will uh, and and yeah, obviously United aren't in in that position because it's a different league. Uh, financially speaking, it's a it's still um, a good indicator of why of what can happen without regulation. The lack of regulation is essentially what's allowed the situation at Portsmouth to happen with multiple shady owners in a short period of time. Where if there was like even the NFL's you know owners test where which. I'm sure has many, many problems as a model, but like, you know, if existing owners in the premiership had to vote on whether it was accepted that this guy could take over, you know, Portsmouth, then I'm sure he wouldn't he wouldn't have uh, made it through. Not that I'm advocating that as a model, because uh, that allowed the Glazers to own the club. Yeah, I, I don't think you should put any power in the Premier League chairmen. Of course they'd vote it, otherwise it'd be turkeys voting for Christmas. Uh, yeah, um, so it, it's interesting you bring up America because, of course, that's a very socialised system. Is um, ironic, really, of course. But um, there, there are some very strict regulations, and, and player contracts are owned. I mean, if you talk about the MLS, for example, none of the clubs own the players. All, all the registrations are owned by the MLS centrally. Uh, there's a draft system. There's a wage cap. There's a spending cap. Uh, none of the teams can be in debt effectively. Um, look at regulation around other parts of the world. France has an extremely tough financial regulation, uh, so uh, clubs cannot be in debt. Uh, if they are, or they don't submit their accounts and it's completely transparent on time, they get fined. Saint Etienne got fined and relegated two divisions, um, and they were a indie band. So that's how harsh they are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, shoe gazers, off with you, <laughs> daft punk it is. Mm. <laughs> that's why they got back anyway yeah sorry but yeah yeah absolutely i mean uh, ironically of course america a very socialist country when it comes to their the way they run their sport and also their banking industry <laughs> yes the irony most right wing uh, anyway on to politics <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so um that's that's uh what's going to pass for summer transfer speculation um on this podcast i think we've talked about enough about the game against blackburn really what what more is there to say apart from it was really dreadful and just indicative of a, a side that's almost certainly not going to win the title it would be nice if they could get it together to put some dents in manchester city's uh pretty looking quite likely uh, attempts to get fourth place yeah it does look likely actually they they run into form at the right time tottenham 
sometimes on it, sometimes don't. Villa have you know fallen off the map, and and Liverpool are, are as bad as Liverpool have been all season. Yeah, I, I think City are favourites. Of course, yep, I, we'd we'd love to beat them, but just for our own good, uh, I, I take no real pleasure in making sure City don't reach fourth. I mean, you know, Sheikh Mansour and the Abu Dhabi group are serious enough that they will get it at one point or another anyway. They're, they're going to spend a lot of money to just accelerate their progress by a year. If they did, we're not small minds. We we don't really care about City. It's it's all about United. But, um, yeah, we need a win. Unfortunately, uh, I, I don't know whether um, the confidence running through the team is good enough now. I think probably if you look at it objectively, if we got away from Eastlands with a draw this weekend, that would be a good result. Uh, I, we are definitely going to have Wayne Rooney back. Hopefully he's fit. As for the team makeup, I don't know. I mean, Ferguson picked all the oldies on last weekend and we got a rubbish performance. He picked all the oldies against Chelsea. We got a rubbish performance. He picked all the oldies against Bayern Munich away and we got a rubbish performance. And, yeah, and I'm not saying all... that it's as tightly linked as that, but uh, clearly uh, at the end of the season now and uh, a lot of players are tired and the old guys who haven't you know, playing as many games as many of the other younger guys, for sure, uh, are still pretty tired, I'd say. Yeah, and I guess I, I think he'll probably go with maybe a fairly similar side to the one that lined up against Munich. Uh, I wonder if Darren Gibson will play. It'd be interesting. Yeah, well, he, he spoke out in praise of Gibson this week, didn't he? he um, Gibson's got six goals from midfield, really not played that many games. And uh, he's talked about him as the next Paul Scholes. Uh, clearly, Darren Gibson is not the next Paul Scholes. He's someone who can score goals. He gets ahead of the ball. There's no other player in the United squad that gets ahead of the ball from central midfield. And that's a real bonus. And he's got a great shot on him. And sometimes it does fly into Rose Ed, but you know, a lot of the time it's very accurate, very powerful. He's definitely got it within himself to score a lot of goals. My, my real criticism of uh, Gibson is not that mobile and his passing is not of Paul Scholes' quality, and I don't think it ever will be. So f- for me, even at 22, even though he's had limited time in the first team, he will never be another Paul Scholes. Could we find a goal-scoring central midfielder that would add value to the squad? Yeah, maybe. If he progresses in the way that, that say, Nani has over the last you know, three or four months, or Darren Fletcher has over the last three years, then, yeah, we've definitely got a valuable central midfielder there. Yeah, absolutely. And you were not not impressed at all with Darren Fletcher in the uh, early stages of his career, and now he's Manchester United's most important midfielder. So, absolutely, he's yeah. he he was the Scottish player, and uh, we dare not speak his name now. It's uh, the love that blossoms out in the open. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so I guess we'll do this next week again. It might be a shorter podcast depending on what happens in in the time between now and then because the the season is effectively seems to be over if Chelsea lose and we win then I guess it's uh, game on again but I would suspect that's fairly unlikely fairly unlikely but hey you know it's not over until it's over and uh, unfortunately that could be a current pace of things a couple of games before the end of the season yeah but let's um let's hope that the the, the team kind of finds some pride and uh, get a good good result against city and you know it's, it's come to the point where i'm just rooting for a good game i just want to see a load of goals flying in from all around the park i want to see nanny tearing in from the left i want to see valencia putting in those beautiful crosses from the right wing i want to see you know patrice ever calivanting down the left flank and darren gibson bombing ahead of the ball and scoring goals let's let's have a barnstorming proper Manchester United performance to make up for the couple of pretty lacklustre ones we've seen over recent weeks 
Let's hope so. Yeah, and uh, Pele will be coming out of retirement and joining United, and pigs will be flying over Eastlands. So, uh, yeah, I, sorry to be cynical. I I don't see it. I think we're shot this season. Um, they just all look too tired. They look they look like they lack any kind of inspiration. You would hope that the uh, the derby fire you know they'll be fired up for the derby. Um, one last effort this season. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Believe.